right. It is April 12th. What edition this is of the Courtside Podcast, but this is Matt Etlinger, and I am being joined tonight by a gentleman that I met on the at the driving range at the Game On Golf Center. I was hitting a bunch of balls. Gentleman shows up wearing a green Jets hat. I think he had one club with him. And uh, I, I was saying to myself, I'm like, who is this guy? But obviously, me being a Jets fan, I, I strike up a conversation with him. And uh, Mike, how are you? Hey, Matt. It's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to have uh, had that fortuitous meeting with you on the range as you watched me fail at uh, improving my nine iron game. There you go. So Mike Troiano, an accomplished uh, attorney. I obviously, you know, search far and wide for uh, for guests for the Courtside Podcast, and I'm happy to have Mike on. I'll, tonight's uh, topic of discussion really is uh, uh, one that's very fond to me is the NFL Draft. Uh, as being a Jets fan, being a real passionate Jets fan, a lot of emotions that come up with the NFL Draft. There's anxiety, of course. There's hope. There's the idea of something new. Who could be the savior of the organization? And uh, it's just an exciting time. April is such a great sports month with the Masters and the Final Four. But the NFL draft is so talked about. And when Mike and I started talking, it was evident that we should do a podcast about it. And when we were talking a few weeks back, Mike, obviously it was a different time. You had the Jets still obviously had Sam Darnold. We were discussing what direction strategically the team should go in. And here we are. Obviously, the direction has changed. Mike, what do you think uh, about the trade? And wh- where do you, what do you think about what Joe Douglas did with the move? Well, I mean, I think it was clear. Just listen, we, we all had such hope. You know, we had such hope in Sam. It was the first time we had really had a bona fide franchise quarterback prospect since Sanchez. You're talking 10 years, uh, but it's just very clear that Chris Johnson made the wrong choice in keeping McCagnan and hiring Gase. And those two gentlemen worked very effectively in uh, destroying the young man. So (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think um, Joe did right um, by both Sam and the organization. Uh, He sent Sam to Carolina with uh, a promising young offensive coordinator and Joe Brady. Everybody really seems to be on the Joe Brady bandwagon. I thought their offense was fine. I I didn't see anything hyper-creative, but at least the guy threw the ball more than three yards down the field um, in his schemes, unlike our former head coach. Uh, He's got some playmakers down there with DJ Moore. He's got the sun god, Robbie Anderson. He's got McCaffrey coming back off of injury. Um, Sam's finally going to have the weapons that he never really had here. Right. That offensive line is still a mess, but um, I think at least Sam will have a fighting chance. And luckily for Sam, with the Panthers not having to have to trade out of that eighth overall pick, they're in a prime position to get him a top three offensive line prospect right just, Sewell's there right um, just, add, just adding to the depth there when you when you're when you're gonna watch Sam and let's say he has success I mean I think it's gonna be an interesting range of emotions for Jetsons because we know he's a good kid we're rooting for him but at the same time it's like kind of like watching your ex with a new guy you know it's <laughs> so 
So I don't, I don't really know yeah. how I'm going to feel. I'm already, you know, waiting for Giants fans to be, essentially be tormenting us about his potential success. Maybe that's my own anxiety as a Jets fan, but I wish the guy nothing but the best. But it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough watching him succeed out there. It is, but what Joe, what Joe Douglas did here was he took a calculated gamble, right? And I think, I think he took what is almost an impossible decision because really you're, you're both right and wrong right either way you choose right um i just think uh, whether to keep sam or to, to go with a rookie quarterback i just think the consequences the reverberations that the choice of keeping sam trading out of the second pick and potentially you know choosing to forego taking wilson or fields or whoever that pick is going to be um, watching that pick become a superstar and having Sam continue to struggle the way that he has, I, I really just, I, that would look so poorly upon Joe and put Sala, importantly, um, of which I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm thrilled that they hired him. Um, that puts Sala in a really bad position right, right out of the gate. Right. I, I think this was just a clean break. It allows Sam to start anew. And obviously, you know, for us, it allows us to without any reservations take a quarterback at two and um, importantly we added two pretty decent picks in next year's draft right we got a second and we got a fourth depending on on how Carolina plays they're a young team I don't think they're quite there yet there's possibility they finish in the top 10 you know in the top 10 uh, draft picks for the 2022 draft that second round pick we got might end up being pick 38 pick 39 and that will just be more ammunition to help our our young team that we're trying to build here yeah no and that and that's really the point is that you know this wasn't a this was not a team that was a seven and nine team where we were a couple of pieces away from a playoff team we were we were a two and 14 team we're arguably the worst team in the nfl last year and if you play it out we what everyone there's, there's been a, a tremendous amount of criticism with the jets and how they handled the Hall Darnold situation. But if you play it out and you kept Darnold here, and let's say they added a, a draft pick or two to surround him with, or maybe another free agent or two. But if you play it out, the Jets, their ceiling was really maybe eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. And what does that do? How are you going to evaluate Darnold then? It, it's, it's, they had to do it. And like you said, it's kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. But it's, uh, Hopefully, better days ahead, and uh, it's it was just a very interesting decision, uh, a big decision in the in the uh, for for the Jets' future. But moving forward, I, I'm you know we have 21 picks here over the next years. You, you called out a couple of them in next year's draft that we got for Darnold. Uh, so what? It, it looks like it's pretty much a, a done deal that we're taking Zach Wilson. What what are your what are just your initial feelings towards Zach Wilson? Because right now I'm looking at the the depth chart for the New York Jets and I have the ESPN up here. It looks like James Morgan is our starting quarterback. <laughs> I don't even know. I, I mean, you know, who is that guy? We didn't we, we drafted him last year. We got him from, from was, Florida school, Florida A and M, Florida A and T. I don't even know where. Who, yeah, who I think he was the. I think he was the last of our four. Our three fourth round picks. I don't know. Uh, it, and obviously, without having any preseason games last year, who knows what he's going to be? I I think uh, uh, in Joe's uh, Joe Douglas's presser last week um, after the Darnold trade, no, he, he sang Morgan's praises. But I, I think that's just GM speak. I would not be um, 
I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, we're taking a quarterback at two, and at this point, hoping that it's Wilson. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in a veteran QB to back up the young quarterback either. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if Morgan's spot on the roster is necessarily in peril, but I wouldn't. Um, I, I wouldn't think it's a done deal that he's the backup. Yeah, they've been, they've been talking about Brian Hoyer, or maybe if they get lucky, like an Alex Smith, if he gets released from what I don't see that happening, but. Um... It'll, it'll just be interesting. I, I think, uh, is there any, it looks like Zach Wilson is the pick. Is From your standpoint, if this is your mock draft, not Mel Kuyper's, not Todd McShay's, but if it's your mock, your mock draft, is there any hesitancy with Zach? Are you thinking, are, would you mean it all towards Trey Lance or maybe a uh, the kid from Ohio State? So I, out of every prospect, including Lawrence, and I'm just not saying this because we missed out on the number one pick as only the Jets could have done in that situation. Um, I legitimately like Wilson more than any other prospect. Um, I'm no quarterback guru, but you watch this kid play. He plays a game with both fluidity and suddenness. The ball just explodes out of his hand. He has this quick snap release. I I believe when you and I were talking uh, at the driving range, I said he... Um, he plays quarterback like a shortstop. Right. And it's it he makes the game look easy. Right. I get that he was, you know, they were playing a quote-unquote cupcake schedule. Um, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see what this kid does on the field. The throws across the body, you know, on a line, 20 yards down the field to the opposite hash, fitting it into a six-inch window. There aren't many people who can do that. Um with the explosion and quickness that he can do it. And I think an underrated part of um, quarterback evaluation, just listening to the people who know this best, and especially I was blown away by by Chris Sims' evaluation of him, something he said, that in the NFL, something that's overlooked is the fact that as a quarterback, you might have a six foot eight defensive tackle in your face and you have to zip that ball you know, through um, a half foot window around that lineman's shoulder or you know across his side you need to be able to do so quickly before that guy hits you or deflects the pass and I just I don't see any other quarterback in the draft that could do it could do that and just do everything that a quarterback um, you know, in today's NFL can do other than Wilson I do like fields um, I think his athleticism, his ability to run um, in you know, what's going to be the 2021 um, NFL, it's it's a weapon uh, in the wake of Lamar and, and Josh Allen. It, it's a weapon that um, becomes more important with each passing year. He is a speed demon, man. I, I think his he gets compared to Cam Newton. I would beg everybody to watch um, the film of his game against Indiana, the, the game that everybody dings him for, for throwing all those picks. He has a couple of touchdown runs where he just flat out, you know, toasts everybody on the field. And I think Indiana was the number nine team in the country at that time. Right. Uh, he, he's a special athlete. He's a special athlete. You will not hear any complaint from me if he's the pick. But I just think Wilson's safer and does things that Fields can't do. 
or at least I shouldn't say can't do things that he doesn't do as of now. Yeah, there I, isn't the question mark as to whether he can do that. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, how often is a quarterback going to run a forty-yard dash uh, in right. an NFL game? <laughs> I mean, he obviously the guy obviously looks great when he's when he's running that forty-yard dash, and he could and he's got some great, as you said, Cam Newton sorts of skill sets. But um, I, I, I actually just to you know not disagree with you but you said it's a it's a safer pick to go with wilson i think it's actually a slightly riskier pick because we've seen less of him he's played versus the cupcake schedule and he it's it's kind of like his upside you know they're comparing him to the to the aaron Rodgers, the patrick mahomes with like you said his playmaking ability and i feel like we kind of know a little bit more about what uh justin fields can be from from seeing him versus a clemson and an alabama but I love Justin Fields' toughness. Uh, I don't love his... The knock on him is it seems that he makes the one read throws and he can't really get to his second and third checkpoints. But uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm just a little concerned. I think this kid, Zach Wilson, it might be... I'm hoping that his height is not going to be a hindrance. And also, he definitely looks like a Backstreet Boy, which which is a little concerning (laughs) to me. I mean... You know, I'm a little concerned when the quarterbacks are too pretty, you know, because they're, you know, they're going to, the defensive guys are just going to want to kill them. You know, they're going to want to, they're going to rough them up a little bit. Hey, man, Joe Namath did uh, did a commercial for stockings, you know, for pantyhose. Yes, and, good point. Uh, we... <laughs> You're right. Maybe we got to go back to it. We got to put this guy in some stockings, get him in, in a Vogue magazine before, before the, uh, before, during the preseason, I suppose. Um but yeah, I mean, I just, I just love the NFL draft. I mean, as a Jets fan, it's just an interesting time because it represents, two, essentially, I've taken a walk today through the rain actually, and I was thinking about what the draft really means for specifically for a Jets fan because it's this combination, right, of of dreams and hope, but it's also like the fear of screwing it up because. It, it's uh, there's been a lot written and publicized about the Jets' dra- draft blunders. I have three or four articles up right now on the computer that essentially have the, the top ten biggest draft busts of all time. So it's just a, it's an interesting time. Can you remember maybe not your first NFL draft, but what what would you say was one of the most exciting times for you when you watched the NFL draft as a Jets fan? Um, I absolutely lost my mind in a good way when we drafted Sanchez. I remember that. <laughs> I remember watching that at my friend's house in his basement. I was wearing my DeBrickashaw Ferguson jersey, and um, you know, I, I thought, uh, "Here's our boy. You know, here's Joe Namath 2.0." As we thought about every other quarterback right. before and since. Um, and listen, you know, it flamed out pretty quickly, but we had a couple of good years with that kid. Um, to kind of build on your point just about you know, the prospect of hope and hope combined with the almost moral certainty that the Jets are going to screw up every pick that they make. <laughs> right. I- I'll tell you this. I think the problem over the last, what, 12 years longer ever since Mangini got fired because I think time proved that he was you know the driving force behind those great late 2000s drafts with with Revis and Mangold and Ferguson etc um we just haven't there's been no drafting philosophy 
Right. There, there's been no, we, we haven't strived to build any sort of identity with this team. And I think, finally, with Douglas and Salah, we have a unified vision. I was thrilled with how they handled free agency. Um, without sounding like a homer, I, I, I just, I was relieved more than anything to see that uh, we finally have a front office that values the pass rush. Right. And it, it, it's clear what um, we want the identity of this defense to be. We didn't put a dime into uh, any cornerbacks. Uh, we only bought one linebacker. We invested in a pass rush. Salah's whole defense is about getting after the passer. And uh, with, importantly, with only four rushers, usually his four down linemen. That relieves the pressure on his linebackers and secondary because um, now you're dropping seven. So when I see people, you know, my, our our fellow Jets faithful uh, on Twitter losing their minds because we don't have a quarter, uh, we don't have a cornerback yet, um, I would tell everybody to relax. Um, I do think we'll pick one. There are also a couple of free agents still out there. Um, you have that Nelson kid from Pittsburgh, Richard Sherman still lurking out there. Um, I, I think what's going to happen is Douglas is going to pick as he did last year. Um, high upside prospects at positions of value, right? He, he went he went tackle, and he went wide receiver with the first two picks last year. After he takes Wilson, um, I think he will do the same uh, with twenty with picks 23, 34, even um, the two picks we have in the third round. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him take multiple offensive linemen. We need to shore up the interior. I'll counter my own point by saying that the more I read about this wide zone scheme that uh, Salah's bringing with uh, with Michael Floor, also, which is an offensive identity, the first you know, the first of which we've had since, you know, the grounded pound days of 2009, 2010. Yes. Um, there are very specific skills um, which are required of interior linemen in this wide zone scheme. Uh, they're specific and they don't necessarily I should say, they're not necessarily rare um, this is not a gap scheme it's, uh, it's not a man scheme where you know you have your 330 pound guard digging out a 350 pound nose tackle right. and with, the, with just the brute strength that that requires what Jets fans need to realize is that in a wide zone scheme and actually and, and I could speak to this as a former offensive line coach um, in a wide zone scheme and with, with outside zone runs your linemen are all getting to a space, right? You're all moving in unison to decide that the play is going to. You reach a target point, set, and then keep the whichever fender's nearest to you from getting towards the running back. It sounds simple. It's obviously much more complex than that. But all you need as an interior lineman in that scheme is speed, or I should, or I should clarify, lateral agility, uh, to be able to move side to side and, and get width uh, with your zone steps, and then to have an anchor so that when you know when Matt Milano is flying towards the sideline at full speed, um, our left guard can anchor, stop him, and make sure that um, you know Josh Adams or Ty Johnson or whoever our running back is can keep getting to the outside. Um, so I would say to Jets fans, don't freak out. If Douglas does not take a lineman at 23 or 34, 
Um, if you look at the composition of the offensive lines from the best wide zone teams in the NFL, if you look at, at Green Bay and the Rams and um, the Niners and, and Tennessee, the majority, not all, but the majority of their interior offensive linemen are mid-round picks, undrafted free agents, or first or second round picks who were reclamation projects. So, all right, well, that's good to hear. And first of all, Mike, I yep. had no idea when we were when I was watching you shank those seven irons. I had no idea that you were so educated about uh, interior linemen and that you were a former offensive line coach. This is uh, unbelievable. So, thank you. Um, I, I'm completely blown away by this. I never played football. I just uh, watched it. I, I was actually a uh, equipment manager slash water boy for one season. A very proud year of my life. But. Um, this is uh so that was that was very helpful and look I think it's it based on what you said the biggest takeaway for me is that it was very um very uh, I, I'm very optimistic to know that we could still grab the right interior lineman because we already have Makai Beck on the left side we we should still look to upgrade the the right tackle side but it's good to know that we could grab in the third fourth fifth rounds we can grab the right interior lineman and hopefully Douglas and uh, in collaboration with Salah, will really know what to look for for this system. Yeah, hopefully, and look, we only have one uh, one year's worth of data, but Joe's offensive line picks so far, <coughs> excuse me, um, seem to have worked out. He drafted who I think is the best young left tackle in the NFL. Right. Um, Cam Clark is a question mark, but I'm going to attribute that to the Gase disease, and uh, <laughs> we'll see what uh, what what this kid is next year. But uh, I, I am fully confident that whether it's you know, spending one or two picks on um, you know, on a prospect and then maybe trading a late round pick for a veteran, um, he's going to do the right thing. I, I truly believe that. And you brought up a good point about right tackle. I, this is a deep, talented offensive line class with a lot of uh, a lot of players who fit our scheme at tackle very well. Um, there's uh, Brady Christensen from BYU, uh, Dylan Radence um, from uh, North Dakota State, who are like the, the six-time reigning um, D1 AA champs. I, I think it's called FCS now, right? But you know what I mean. Uh, kids a stud. Yeah. And um, those, those are just a couple of names. There are um, Sam Cosme from from Texas. I, I could easily actually see him going in the first round. Uh, we have a lot of options. How, how do you feel and about this kid I think, uh, take, from Alabama, Nolan Dickerson, who's got a lot of injury issues? Uh, would you roll the dice on someone dude, like that? He, he is an animal. Um, th- that guy might be the single meanest uh, offensive line prospect I've watched. Um, but maybe second to Beckton. Wow. I mean, that, that, to um, me, I, I would say no more. We should roll the dice on him. I, I mean, to me, nothing he, ventured, he nothing gained in the draft. I, I agree 100%. If we took him at 34, I want to take him 23. Uh, I think 23, you really need to make sure that you get a healthy, you know, obviously, who, who knows the second you reach the NFL what happens, but you need a, histo- you need a historically healthy um, guy who you can really count on plugging in, whether it be at the line, corner. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we took a linebacker either, uh, considering our entire... Um, it's funny, you said you had the, the ESPN death chart. I have the same printed out in front of me. And um, literally, I just put a question mark um, 
next to our three linebackers because who the hell knows? Right. I, I mean, I, I, um, I've been and, a Jets and fan my whole life, and I'm looking at this team roster. Maybe this is just a sign that I'm getting old, uh, but I, I'm looking. I, I only recognize like half of the names on here. It's it's a little maybe maybe a little bit more than half. But I mean, who I I don't know who these guys are anymore. I mean, well, that that's what happens when you draft for ten years and don't re-sign. But we were signed. We were signed Jenkins, and we were signed. I think Winters to second contracts, right. and that's been it since like 2015. So it, it's been a revolving door, and hopefully, and I would tell Jets fans this too as well. Um, just going back to kind of building on what you said, just looking at the team and you know, look at the team and realizing that we have a need basically everywhere. Right. Um. I would not look at this draft in a vacuum. Like you said, we have 21 picks over the next two years. We need to look at this year's draft and next year's draft in conjunction. These are the two drafts that are going to build the core of the team that hopefully will propel us deep into the playoffs while we are on our rookie quarterbacks, or sorry, our young quarterbacks rookie contract. Exactly. And that's, uh, and that's really the formula. Everybody knows the five-year window. And, the, and that's the formula for winning in the NFL. I was just telling my friend today, this is, you know, this apartment is not in need of just a new a new bathroom and a new kitchen. And this is a full get, gut reno. And uh, hopefully in three or four years, the Jets are con- are, are, are contending uh, for, for an AFC. It's, it's depressing. It's depressing when you have to push the reset button and you and you have to let go of a Sam Darnold and you have to start over again. It's 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 quite depressing. Just going back to a random question. Are you looking for I'm not sure of the format of this year's draft. Are you hoping for a virtual kind of Zoom draft like they had last year where they take the cameras inside into these kids' families' houses? Or are you looking for a regular draft format where they come onto the, on, onto the onto the stage with the fancy suits, get the hat, shake Adele's hand? I personally like the old Zoom format. I think it's more intimate. You see where these kids come from. What do you say about that? You know, I think the Zoom format was something that... Um, I think it's something that NFL fans and uh, maybe this is being a bit dramatic, but the country as a whole kind of needed at that time. I mean, that, that was the first major sporting event, um, first major sporting broadcast, to my knowledge, that um, that really occurred after we got rocked by the pandemic in mid-March. Uh, I think it was great to, like you said, to really get into these prospects' homes, the coaches' homes, you know, the, these guys like Belichick and Arians these legendary oh, the, the, men the Belichick moment um, with the dog was epic. oh unbelievable I mean that, that, that might have been the Listen, greatest he, moment in draft history you see Belichick giving a dog biscuit I mean it was just it was it was epic <laughs> I can't get enough of that honestly and I hate the guy but I can't get enough of that oh um, dude he's a legend um <laughs> unbelievable um but I, I think I I think it was I think it was just a I think it hit home for a lot of people I, I think it was a comforting, um, maybe I could say calming, um, unique experience for everybody. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I'm an Italian from New York. I like flash, and I am very much looking forward to you know seeing guys in red suits again jumping onto the stage and you know bear hugging. Red, yeah, red velour. So, uh, I guess you have their <laughs> suits. 100%. You gotta love it. So, all right. So we'll wrap it up soon. But 
I just want to, you can't talk about the NFL draft without talking about Kuyper and, and Todd McShay. And to me, Mel Kuyper, my friends make fun of me. They think I have some sort of weird man crush on the guy, but I just absolutely love Mel Kuyper. I don't know if it's the hair. I don't know his presence, but there's something about Kuyper and McShay. It seems like when you watch the fluff that's on ESPN all year, what I love about it is that these two guys have to really, similar to how People on CNBC have to say what investment to make and which stocks. I love the fact that these guys have to stake their claim in the ground, you know, draw a line in the sand and, you know, really put themselves out there. I think it's really the best thing from my standpoint about ESPN. How do you feel about Kuiper Machine? Not everyone loves him like I do. But what do you think? Um, I absolutely worship the man. <laughs> he, he is literally, he is the draft godfather. Um, and... And like you said, I think people both make fun and kind of see him as a relic. Man, go listen to his podcast. He knows everything about every prospect from pick one through two fifty six. I was I don't know if you listened to to his um, his first draft podcast, but he um, I was just listening to a mock draft he and uh, and Todd did a couple of weeks ago. He was like rattling off slot receivers uh, who would best fit, you know, X team scheme um, in the sixth round. I mean, isn't it? Isn't uh, it? It's so me. amazing that a person can just be in the sports world with all. Again, I hate to reiterate it, but with all the fluff out there and all just the talking heads, for a guy to come on and just be so meticulously prepared to talk about a subject. I mean, in a, in a world of changing bullshit for lack of a better word he is you, you say he's a relic but i'm just so happy that mel kuyper does not change dude he is and you're talking about the fluff and you know and and bullshit and everybody um everybody turning every little aspect of sports into some grand social issue this guy is here for one reason one reason only to tell you about NFL draft prospects. Right. <laughs> it is so refreshing. It, it is, and quite frankly, it's just interesting. Right. Uh, the, the guy the guy knows where every single prospect will best fit in. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strengths. He'll, he'll whip out some random stat, you know, saying that, oh, he'll say, oh, the, this guy does well against uh, off-man coverage, you know, um, going to the left hash. He knows everything. It's nuts. He's so good. I, I look up out of every podcast I listen to. I, I, I'm a diehard Jets fan. I have 30 podcasts in my queue. This guy is always the first one I listen. Yeah, to. he's the best. He, he, I, I will, I will die on the Mel Kiper Hill. You know, arm in arm with anybody who will stand there with me. I, I think he's he's phenomenal. Yeah. Well, Mike, it's uh, it's good to know I'm not uh, alone there, uh, and uh, I really appreciate uh, this conversation. Hopefully, the Jets. Obviously, the draft grades will come out, but we won't fully know for a year or two uh, with what happens with their picks, and we'll hope for the best. And I really appreciate you coming on Courtside Podcast tonight, and uh, um, we'll stay in touch and uh, look forward to the audience's feedback on the pod, and we'll answer any comments or questions. Matt, I appreciate it so much, man. I had an absolute blast. Thank you. All right. Be well.